Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. I was basically muted the entire time we were going. But here we are. It's a Spotify Live presented by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And not a great day. No getting around this if you're a fan of the New York Mets. It's not a great day because what you thought a couple of weeks ago regarding this Carlos Correa move goes completely out the window with Carlos Correa leaving the Mets, the Mets backing out of the contract, The Minnesota Twins swooping in and signing Correa for basically half the amount. What transpired here? First off, let me say this. I don't fault the Mets. And I know for many of you listening right now, that's going to come as a surprise. JJ, you were praising Cohen. You were praising the Mets. uh, Big moves, missing piece, all true. What changed between a couple days before Christmas The saga that started right around Christmas Eve, concerns, Levitt Dower is going to back out. Is it really going to happen? I got to apologize to everybody. I thought Correa at the end of the day was going to be a Met. You want to know why? Even with this stuff being out there, to me, it was a situation where Cohen put his neck out there. Cohen maybe had a couple of Mai Tais in or a couple of Konas while he was in Hawaii and talked to John Heyman and said, We want this guy. He's the missing piece. Let's get it done. And they give him what was looking to be an outrageous contract and an outrageous amount of money after the Giants bailed on 13 years of 350 million. It looked like the Mets were going to give him 12 and 315. The Mets do some research. Their doctors get involved. They start analyzing the medicals. They don't like the medicals. So instead of that, they come back to Correa and say, hey, 
We'll give you a prove it deal. We'll guarantee six for 157. But if you play the field a certain amount of times, you go and you get a certain amount of at bats, we will take care of it. We will allow you to make more. Boris and the Correa camp was unwilling to do so. So Correa goes from the Giants back to free agency, the Mets back to free agency, and ends up with the team he played with a year ago, the Minnesota Twins, for $200 million. Look, from an optics standpoint, this is a bad look for Steve Cohen in this regard. He stuck his neck out there. He wanted the guy. He gave out the outrageous contract, and now he's got to do an about-face. From that standpoint, and then talking to Heyman, you would think a guy who is as business-savvy as Cohen would have a little bit more, what's the word, media-savvy in how to handle this sort of thing. In Cohen's defense, though, if you're the Mets, I think you did the right thing here. And I know I wanted Correa for the Mets, and I was on board with it. The medicals are awful. You can't give this guy a 12-year, $300 million contract, no matter how much money they may have. Because clearly the medicals were awful, right? Like the Giants backed out, and then immediately the Mets backed out. So it wasn't some conspiracy theory that Correa wanted the Mets all along. He didn't, because if he really wanted the Mets, he could have stayed. Here's my question. The Mets were willing to go leaps and bounds to go and sign this guy a month ago to the point where we thought they did. Was it simply the medicals? Was it more information? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Here's the bottom line, though, for next year. The Mets, once again, are a bat short. Whether they did the right thing or wrong thing with Correa, and I think long-term, they clearly did the right thing, and you may say even in three years, they might have done the right thing. But Correa was a bat that would have helped their lineup enormously. Postseason, their base, you name it. So what's next for the Mets? You know they'll be active come trade deadline to go and get a big bat. That is obvious. You're going to hear Otani rumors. Otani is not getting moved in this offseason. Trade deadline might be a different story. He is not getting moved between now and opening day. So what is next for the Mets? Well, I think in the short term, Eduardo Escobar is your third baseman. I think in the short term, Francisco Alvarez is your designated hitter. And now all of a sudden, a guy like Beatty has a lot more of a role on the team. To the point where I almost want to see him on the roster come opening day. You'll look back on this and I think you'll be fine. The owner's still going to spend a crazy amount of money. He'll go and get somebody else in a year, year and a half. That's fine. For the 2023 Mets, though, This is a blow. Because right now, we're back to where we were with the Mets a few weeks ago. They're a really good team. They have a very good chance to go and win the National League East, but they also have a very good chance to go and finish in third place. To me, it's basically the same team they had a year ago. That's a good team. But are they, like, leaps and bounds better? Correa would have been that piece. Well, now, he's not that piece. And I understand why. Not killing the Mets today. You notice that? Not killing the Mets. But they are going to need another bat between now and the end of this year. And they'll get one. I just don't know if it's going to be to the magnitude of a guy like Correa. And that, to me, is where this hurts a little bit. All right. 
So a lot of calls. Let's get it going with the biggest Met fan I know, or at least he's in the top five. The great Hector in Washington Heights. He leads us off. Hello, Hector. How we doing, man? JJ, what is going on? Hector, this is not what I expected to come back to from Florida. I thought I was going to have a nice, easy day. I thought wrong, bro. I thought wrong. Yeah, you and I both. Definitely not what I expected. Did you remember, you know, when the, when the deal went down? We, we spoke, you heard uh, uh, alive, and I was in there right away, excited, celebrating. Um, listen, I wanted this guy to be told he was my number one target in the offseason, coming into the offseason. Even when there was no chance, everybody said there's no way he's going to the match, blah, 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 blah. Because I felt... He provides the bat that we need. Not power per se, because he's not like a power hitter, but he's a legit bat. He's a proven player um, performer. And I thought he could bring a lot of intangibles to the team in the clubhouse and, you know, leadership and how to win. Um, and a little feistiness that I thought that the team lacked. Right? So I was excited. Um, and listen, everything you said is valid. You know, you move on now. The Mets probably made the right move. I'm uncomfortable with 10, 12-year deals to begin with, so you don't want to give one to a guy that has been hurt. But I'd be lying to you, J.D., if I'm not disappointed today. No, you're disappointed. Hector, listen, you have every right to be disappointed, but I think it's disappointment from a level of you wanted this guy, you, you fantasized what the Met lineup would look like with him, but it's not possible now because of everything that this contract spoke to as far as the injuries, the risk, the liability. Like, you got to give your baseball people and your doctors and your medical staff the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this. Like, Hector, let's put it this way. This, to me, is not a day to roast the Mets. The Mets, to me, made a practical, wise, long-term decision, I think, in the long haul. No, 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 absolutely not. By no way would I roast the Mets about it. Like I said, I'm just a little upset and disappointed just because I, I want a big guy. Um, and like you said, I, I still look at the team and I look at the disappointment, disappointment I have when the season ended and it's like, damn, I'm going back with the same team. But listen, let's, let's be honest here. I'm over Jake leaving us. This dude never played for me. So as much as I wanted him, I'm, I'll get over it. Like, I'll move on. At the end of the day, I'm a Mets fan and that's what counts to me. And I feel confident. I don't know if there's much that they can do right now. I do worry about Epler and what he can do as far as trades and stuff because his trade deadline last year was disappointing. But I do feel confident that we still have the resources and they will be actively trying to still improve this team. I do feel confident about that. But again, just a little disappointed because I also don't see, I don't see how they can improve the team. There's not really many free agents. Mancini doesn't move the needle for me. Um, we've learned that nobody wants to trade with the Mets uh, for, for the most part. And if they do, they want to fleece the Mets and they're not trying to be fleeced. So, uh, you know, it's a little frustrating, a little, you know, confusing. But at the end of the day, it's always less than Mets. Um, yeah, listen, I know, Hector, that's always going to be your MO. That's why you are who you are. Um, look, appreciate it. Your team made the right call here. The fact that the Mets, who were boasting about this guy being the missing piece, they had the concerns to going back out, should tell you something. It's not just the Giants. The Mets are added to that list. And he took a much different contract from the Minnesota Twins. And if you think about it, listen, no one is going to be crying for Carlos Correa making $200-plus million. But 
he ended up losing about $150 million with these medicals. I mean, think about that for a minute. That is a whole lot of money. Crazy. Let's head to Eric, who joins us next. Eric, what's up, pal? How we doing? JJ, what's up, man? First off, congrats to your Dolphins on getting into the Yeah, I mean, that was as ugly. That was as ugly as it gets uh, Sunday against the Jets. They appreciated the horse collar tackle. They appreciated Joe Flacco, a quarterback. Um, and I hope they can put a good showing out. Look, I'm, I'm praying to it gets cleared. If he doesn't, I, I don't expect a whole lot. But that is the ultimate house money game for them. I mean, no one is going to give him a chance. No one is going to give him a prayer. And we'll see how the Dolphins respond up in Buffalo. It'll be interesting. All you got to do is just get into the dance. They did what they had to do. Uh, sucks for my Jets to finish that way, but that's just the way the season went. But about this Correa news, I've never, I can't remember a time where guys failed two physicals for two different teams, still ended up signing for the amount that he did. So I, I think the Mets were definitely smart to not do that deal. If you're signing someone to 13 years and they're, however long the deal was, and they're, they're 28 years old, you know, you're putting a lot of resources behind that. And that deal could go south really fast if he has, you know, uh, serious ankle injuries. So I think that was smart of them to not do it. Well, and it turns out, Eric, that the concerns the San Francisco Giants ended up having regarding Correa and his medicals were the exact same concerns down the road the Mets ended up having. And maybe from the Boris Correa camp, there was a sense of frustration because they say, hold on a second. You know what happened and you saw the Giants back out of the deal, but yet three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you had no problem in making this deal. Cohen had no problem in making this deal. It looked like Correa was ready to be a Met. The, the little boy is wearing the uh, I Love New York, the little uh, onesie. I'm like, all right, Correa's going to be a Met. But it just got to the point where the relationship between the two sides got more tenuous. Correa wanted more. The Mets wanted to give less. He goes his separate ways. The Mets over the next couple of years are going to be fine here, Eric. But my question is for this team next year, how did they replace that production they thought they were getting from Correa? It's a really good question. And I, I remember when you were talking with Fantasy the other day on your podcast, he mentioned that they had this you know, third base prospect. His name is escaping me, who was then going to be log jam. Maybe they, they throw him into the mix. But I think the most interesting thing here is uh, I think the real winners of this somehow are the Houston Astros because they chose to not sign him to that long-term deal. They brought up that shortstop kid who won World Series MVP, and they're making out like absolute geniuses because they probably saw what everyone else is now seeing, which is that he had this injury, which was you know they had concerns about, and they they let him they let him walk, and and now we're kind of watching the aftermath of it with the Giants passing and now the Mets passing. I think that's really interesting how Houston chose to just let him go and and. We're seeing it all play out. Well, listen, Houston has done this with plenty of guys now, whether it's Garrett Cole, whether it's Justin Verlander. Um, you find me the guy, Correa, Springer. They they move on, the Astros, Eric, because they trust their minor league system. The Mets minor league system is nowhere to that point. They're hoping Alvarez is an answer. They're hoping Beatty is an answer. But they, they are not to that point yet. They're just not. They want to supplement things with free agents. They lose to Grom, they get Verlander. Terrific. They lose Bassett, they get Senga. Terrific. They're a little better in the bullpen with Robertson and bringing out Avino back and Rayleigh. I'll give them that. I think the Mets have a better bullpen 
top to bottom than they did a year ago. I, I think that's a fair statement to make as far as where have they gotten better. But this lineup, Navarez for McCann, a little bit better. A little bit better. But Correa, listen, the owner said it. Missing piece. You know, it really makes me think with Cohen. He was on vacation. He's out in Hawaii. He's thinking, you know what? Whatever it takes. Let's get this guy. Let's make a splash. They make the splash, but then as the days kind of passed, it was, oh, shit. This contract could be a problem. Is this something that's going to come back and bite us in the ass down the road? Clearly, there was a lot of it. Can't tell me any other way. To our guy, Lee. What's up, Lee? What's happening, buddy? What's going on, JJ? How are you, man? Lee, I'm all right, man. What's shaking, dude? <laughs> well, today sucked. Um, that's just a good way to put it mildly. The one thing, and I think everyone's made the right point. The one thing that I'm concerned about and what I don't want to happen is a reactionary trade, right? Because the Mets just don't have the prospect depth right now to trade a Beatty, to trade an Alvarez or something along those lines to for a another quote-unquote difference maker that, from what we've all heard, doesn't exist in the marketplace right now. So unless it's Enotani, which is not available, right? This is the team that, that they're going to go to bat with, minus maybe some couple of moves on the fringes. And that's just the way it needs to be. I really just, I'm, I, you know, the way that Cohen reacts to losing things, he goes and makes a big splash. I think he's got to, the team to be cautious and smart about this is the team right now. He keep, you know, let's see what's going to happen with the prospects that are available. Um, let's see what we get out of Beatty. Let's see what we get out of Alvarez and then go into the season, go into the trade deadline. And if there is a move to be made at that point, that's when you have to strike. But I don't want to see a trade for Brian Reynolds. 1000%. Wait, I think that is an excellent, excellent, excellent point. I totally agree. Cohen, to your point, has been a guy that when things don't go his way, he makes a splash. He loses to Grom. He gets Verlander. He misses out on Mats. I'm going to show you. I'm going to go sign Morte. I'm going to go sign Canna. I'm going to go sign this guy. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to go and get Max Scherzer. The difference now, Lee, is we're at a point in the offseason where free agency is basically done. I mean, you look up and down. Everybody is signed. Any of the big-ticket free agent items have found homes, from Bogarts to Judge to now Carlos Correa, uh, Trey Turner, you name it. Rodon across the board. I don't think the Mets will be short-sighted when it comes to a trade. I think the bottom line is, come July, this team is going to be a bad short. I know it. You know it. And I don't know who that guy is going to be that they go and target. Because, look, Brian Reynolds is probably the best bat that's available in the trade market. He doesn't really make sense for the Mets. The Mets just went and gave a gazillion... Well, bingo. They don't need, they don't need Brian Reynolds. They just brought Brandon Nimmo back. They just gave $160 million to Brandon Nimmo. Brian Reynolds is a very similar player to Brandon Nimmo. So that is not the bat, at least in my opinion, Lee. So they're going to wait. They'll see what materializes. They'll see what the market is. And mark my words, come July, they'll be very active. That's my point. The, the question is going to be, is are there going to be teams that are going to be willing to work with the Mets? And that is, that's not an Epler thing. That is, 
has there been a fraying between some of these owners and what the spending that Cohen has done? Is that going to make it even more challenging to complete a deal with some of these teams that have that are going to be looking to unload players at the deadline? And you don't know that answer. That's we're gonna to have to wait and find out. But that is a major concern on my end. I can understand that, Lee. Good call, man. Good call. I thought there was something to that last year. And I know there was frustration among some Mets fans about how the deadline played out. I do think that there are some owners, because they don't like the fact that Cohen is spending money like crazy, that are going to say, yeah, we're not dealing with this guy. I don't think it's every owner. I think some, yes. There's 1,000% something to that. But you make the offer good enough, you'll get the guy you want. And we'll see if Otani's available to tell him. If somebody else is available to tell him. They will be. It's inevitable. But you're going to notice this in baseball. There are a lot of have and have not teams. Like, National League has a lot of good teams, and then there are a lot of terrible teams. Terrible teams. American League, not as much. I mean, you think about bad teams in the AL. Oakland's awful. Detroit is awful. Kansas City is awful. Aside from that, it's a little bit more parity. Like there's the Astros, you probably see the Yankees a second, Toronto, Cleveland, Tampa, Chicago, they're all kind of in that mix. But then you got some teams that are like, you know, 82, 83 win specials. So you'll have that. Jeremy joins us. What's up, Jeremy? Say uh, about, you said the Mets haven't gotten better. I think they are better this year. I think the biggest thing is from like, 2015 to 2020, the Grom's our best player, right? And then 21, 22, he's kind of out. But I think Berlander can be a guy who gets you seven, eight wins total, like in war or whatever. I think even though he's older, like I trust him to make like 20, 30 starts. And I think it's more durability. You know what, Jeremy? That's fair. You want to tell me that you have more confidence in Berlander's durability than you would the Grom's durability. I'm not going to fight you on that. However, my, my concern with both of the guys at the top of the rotation, they're great. They're badasses. They're also 40-something, 38, 39 when it comes to Max Scherzer. How is that holding up over 162 games? Like, that is a fair and reasonable question to have with the big two. Is it not? Sure. Yeah, no, it is. And I also think Quintana's a really good move. Senga, I think, could be really good. Still Carrasco, and you still have Peterson and McGill. So I, overall, I think our rotation will be in better shape. And the bullpen is definitely in better shape. Like I agree with you there. there. There's no argument. The bullpen is definitely better. Robertson, Rayleigh, bringing out Avino back, making sure Diaz is in the fold. The one thing I'd say, Jeremy, I don't think Diaz is going to be as good as he was last year. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a good year. I don't think he's going to be as good. It's almost impossible, you know? Yeah, he was Yeah, he was like Hall of Fame last year. He didn't have like a blown save, like crushed a lot. Guy was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he was money in every big spot. So you got to expect at least a little bit of regression. But here's the problem, though, Jeremy. This division is really, really good. I mean, the Braves lose Dansby Swanson. Think about this for a minute. They don't miss a beat because their minor league system is freaking loaded. They'll go and bring Grissom up and it'll be great. Harris is a stud. They'll line up. They haven't even gotten big years out of Acuna the last couple of years. So the Braves would scare the crap out of me, and the Mets got to show me they can beat the Braves. And, and we, I think the Mets are a little better than the Phillies, 
Because to me, the Phillies are a very top-heavy team. But they did go to the World Series, and they did go and add a guy by the name of Trey Turner, you know? Yeah, my, my last point is I think that, like, generally, Cray would be a good signing. Cray agents are really good to have. But you look up and down, all these young guys are signing major extensions now. Like, Julio is not going to be a free agent until, like, 2035. Like, so we got to develop guys like Beatty. I don't know, Beatty and Garrett Wilson were friends as kids, so maybe it'll be like that, you know, I'm hoping. Oh, uh, Jeremy, you'd sign. Listen, I've always been a Beatty fan. I think he's got a beautiful swing. Uh, I, I love the idea that he's got a little bit of versatility to his game, potentially, if they end up moving him to the outfield. But now, let's be real. There's a lot more of a necessity for him to go and play third base. Fantasy and I were talking about it, you know, a few weeks ago. Hey, Beatty is either an outfielder now or he's not going to be a Met. Well, that third base door is open once again. Your point on the Mets developing players to complement what they're doing via free agency is super important. That's what the great teams in baseball do. The Astros have been able to do it. The Dodgers have been able to do it. The Braves, the entire team outside of Matt Olson, it's basically homegrown. That's why they're winning. That complement works. Our buddy Aaron is up next. He joins us. Hi, Aaron. How we doing, pal? I'm doing great. This was awesome. This was dodging a bullet. Carlos Correa is one of the most overrated players. Look at his baseball reference. Look at what he's done, like how he stayed healthy or lack of stayed healthy, and look at how many above-average years he's had. He had basically one year, the 2021 season. The dude is a two-time All-Star in like eight years of playing. I think because he's 6'5 or whatever, he's well-built. He's... And because he played for the Astros, he came up as the first pick. So many hype and marketing about him and the cool name, I guess. I don't know, CC, Carlos Correa. It's catchy. Everybody- well, he's been a big-time performer. Listen, well, well, here's the thing. I, I think you're onto something with his durability, where his durability could be called into question throughout his career. Uh, and, and nobody is proclaiming here, Aaron, that he's a top-ten player in the game. But you look at his defense, it's exemplary. He won a gold glove in Houston just two years ago. He's going to hit 25 bombs. He's going to drive in RBIs. He is a very good major league player. Is he worth 12 years at $300 million? Probably not. Probably not. But listen, Aaron, the Mets could afford it. The issue is if you have reservations about how a body is going to hold up where going into a 12-year contract, you're like, this stinks. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right for organization. You can't go and give that guy a contract. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. There aren't that many like big free agents that you would spend this money on. So I don't know. You're looking at bottom tier guys. Who would you want to have? Who are you targeting now besides Reynolds? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, Aaron, you, you nailed. There's not, there's not many guys that are on the free agent market at this point in time. If you're talking about next year, it's Otani. And if Manny Machado opts out of his deal, it's Manny Machado. Those are players you would talk about for next year. But we're not talking about next year. The Mets are trying to win a World Series this year. See, that's the thing. You're trying to maximize this window that you have with these two older pitchers. Scherzer and Verlander are no spring chickens. You got to win now. So, that's why I was on board with the Kramer because I said, listen, they're all in. The owner can afford it. Do it. 
but that's assuming that you feel decently about the medicals. And I know the Giants backed out. For the Mets to be as gung-ho as they were throughout all of this, it led me to foolishly believe, and I say that foolishly, that there was nothing getting in their way of this deal getting done. And clearly that was not the case. Because something did get in the way of this getting done, and it was simple. Medicals didn't work right. They wanted Korea. Lindor wanted Korea. Cohen wanted Correa. The Mets wanted Correa. For Cohen to be the guy to be like, you know what? I don't want to do this. Very out of character for him. He knows he's going to get bad PR for it. You know it's not going to look great, but I think he's saying, you know what? I'll eat the bad PR. I want to make the right decision. It's totally fine that this did not get done, in my opinion. If if these are the medicals you're getting, I'm going to give them. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Clearly getting them the benefit. All right, let's take one more. The great Jeff Money uh, after a four-in-one week. Hello, Jeff Money. How are you, my friend? It's always great. You're able to do a live uh, Spotify, especially right off getting a complaint from Sunny Miami. Well, I was going to say, I don't get a minute, bro. I literally don't get a minute. I come back. We got a gambling pod to do. I had to take Daniel Jones, and we got, we got breaking news. So uh, we never get a break. We never get a yeah. I mean, I'm still in football mode. Of course, we got the playoffs going on. But as far as the Mets, you know, it is what it is. I'm sure there's a reason for everything with the Carrera deal. And uh, I'm sure we'll work at something else, like you said, uh, during the year. We'll see what goes on. I think down the line you will. I, I, I People wondering if there's a big move coming between now and the start of the season. Uh, I'd be very surprised if that happens, Jeff Money. Very surprised. With the Mets, you know, it is what it is. As far as go back to football now, so we're going to pick all the games, right, coming on for the Mets. Picking all the games, Jeff Money. Yeah, we are now laying off come Wild Card Weekend in the divisional round. And I can tell you this, and I can tell the audience this. There are six games this weekend. I am certain I will be picking two of the games. I know exactly the direction I'm going. The other games, Jeff Money, I have some leans, but I'm going to finalize those picks for old school, new school, with go on Thursday. That's right. So Joe will be also picking. Well, because listen, like, let's be real. There are two games right now. You got uncertainty at quarterback. I got to know what Baltimore is doing at quarterback, and I got to know what Miami's doing at quarterback before I pick those games. I got to know. Right. I'm hearing that Jackson could play, but I don't know if it has to do with the restrictions on contract situation, but uh, I'm hearing he might be. And for Tour, uh, that look doesn't look too. It looks a little more on the dim side, I guess, for Tour. Well, I, here, here's my only caveat to that. And maybe it's just Teddy Bridgewater related. I don't know. Money, why would the line go from 10.5 to 9.5 tonight? Right, I noticed. Vegas Vegas usually knows. You know what I mean? They usually know something's up. But again, if that's if that's Teddy Bridgewater, I think that's what the line would be. I think it'd be right around 9.5, 10. And as I said over the weekend, if it's Skyward Thompson, Buffalo should be favored by at least two touchdowns. Easily. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree on that one. We'll have to see. Hopefully, we can find out before the uh, pod, before we're on Thursdays. When I guess you're going to go by, I guess, we'll see what I guess going by the Fanny lines or the Fanduel lines, I guess. Yeah, it will be the Fanduel lines, and it will be whatever the number is on Thursday. I mean, listen, we might get a surprise or two, Jeff Money, when Lamar Jackson has announced he's playing on Sunday or, you know, Tua has announced he's playing on Sunday. I think with Tua, you will know by Wednesday. because. If he's still in the concussion protocol by Wednesday, he's not playing Sunday. 
He's just not. If he's out of concussion protocol, at least it's a thought that can be entertained. And I know the optic, if Tua plays, is going to look off. It's going to look off. But my counter to that is, we're not doctors. If someone who is licensed in that regard, right, is going to tell me He's good to go. What do you want the guy to do? Say, I don't want to play? Well, then he should retire. That's his right as well. Listen, if he doesn't want to play football anymore, that's his decision. So I, I'm going to trust them on that. You know, they know, they, those folks know a lot more on that than I do. And I, I'm, I'm selfish. Of course I want him to play. But I also don't want him to be concussed and play the game. I don't, want, I don't want further risk to my quarterback. I like him. He's a really good kid. Really, really good kid. All right, Jeff Money, good stuff there. Listen, fired up for these games. I'm super fired up, though. We're going to have the quarterback in the New York Giants before his first playoff game. We picked a good year to get partnered up with Mr. Daniel Jones. He has the best year of his career, and the Giants playing the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Whole lot on the line. Quarterback of the Giants is up next. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, we're super stoked for this one. I know this guy's fired up for Sunday. The quarterback of the New York football giants, Daniel Jones, before his first playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings, Sunday, 4.30 on Fox. Buddy, how we doing, man? What's happening? Doing good, doing good. How you doing? DJ, you're a good poker player, man, because when we had you on last week, you couldn't tell us one way or another what you were going to do, what Coach Dayball was going to do, and how you guys were going to handle Week 18. You didn't hear my Friday podcast. I was adamant, DJ. I want to play any of you guys. It's not worth the risk. You got a big game coming up. To me, there was nothing to gain necessarily by you guys being out there. So you don't end up playing the game, and a lot of the starters don't play against Philadelphia. I think it was the right course of action. Everybody on board, when did... When did you know for sure that was going to be the point of action from Coach Table? Um, yeah, I mean, we really didn't know throughout the week. Um, you know, we practiced, uh, practice got our reps in. Uh, we're preparing to play, and and uh, you know, he let us know what his plan was uh, Saturday. So, um, you know, we were preparing and, and ready to play, and and uh, you know, obviously, Coach's decision to to uh, let some of us rest and and uh, you know, certainly feel a lot better as a result today. I can understand that. I mean, listen, I'd rather be recharged 
getting ready for the Minnesota Vikings. If you don't have to play the game and you guys earn that by putting yourselves in a position to go and clinch the postseason in week 17 as opposed to week 18. But DJ, I got to say, man, the guys who were out there for your team, they fought their tails off, man. I mean, Philadelphia had everything to play for. They're going for the number one seed. They're trying to wrap up home field advantage. And you had Davis Webb out there making plays. You guys fought back in the game. You didn't get rolled over by the Philadelphia Eagles. So from afar, I mean, I know you didn't play in the game, but you had to be pretty fired up about your team and their effort and the way you guys hung in against a really good football team that had everything to play for. Yeah, that was uh, fun to watch. Uh, you know, as a competitor, you always want to be on the field, but watching on the watching on the sideline and, and cheering those guys on was uh, was fun. And, and like you said, the fight, the um, you know how well they how well they they played, and, and uh, you know made a lot of plays. Defense played really well. Uh, did, did a lot of good things on offense too. So um, that was fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, there's uh, a lot we can take from it for sure. What can you do in that situation where you're not playing to go and help a teammate out? Like, is it just something you noticed on the sideline? Is it just being there with positive reinforcement? Like, obviously, you've gone through periods in your career where you've missed time due to injury, or in this case, you're not playing due to a coach's decision because they're getting everybody right for the playoffs. How do you specifically try to help your teammates out when you're not able to play in the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of those things. You try to... um you know, yeah, bring some, some, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas when you see them. Um, obviously that's what the coaches are doing and, and they're, uh, you know, looking at it from the box and they're talking all the time. So they got plenty of ideas, but if you ever have a thought or, um, you know, something you think might work for something, you know, Philly's doing, so just being on the lookout for things like that. And then, um, yeah, just being there for Davis. And, you know, I thought he did a, did a great job, played, played really well throughout the game, but, um, yeah, just looking for, for anything you can do to, to help out and, and uh, you know, see if you can make a, make a difference anywhere. You know, DJ, if there was another takeaway I had from watching the game on Sunday, Kenny Galladay was really a factor. That was some unbelievable touchdown grab that he had at the end of the game. I saw Coach Dable firing him up, giving him, you know, the pep talk right afterwards. You watching that saying, man, Maybe, maybe Kenny could go and make me a big play next week if I see him out there, if he suits up a wide receiver. You thinking about that? Uh, yeah, that was a huge play. Uh, an unbelievable catch uh, against his old teammate there uh, in the back of the end zone. And, and uh, yeah, big-time big play. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're always, always trying to get the ball to, to guys who could, could make plays for us. And, um, yeah, that was fun to see him, uh, see him do it. So this division, DJ. Three teams going to the playoffs. Eagles going to the playoffs. Cowboys going to the playoffs. Of course, you guys are going to the playoffs. You feel like playing these NFC's teams has kind of prepared you guys for what's going to be coming over the next couple of weeks? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think we've, uh, you know, inside the division and outside the division, we've played a lot of good teams, played a lot of tough teams, uh, you know, beating a lot of good teams and, and then taking uh, – you know, gone blow for blow with a lot of them too. So uh, we feel like we're battle tested. We've, we've gone up against good competition uh, throughout the year and fared, fared well. So um, I think that's uh, you know definitely something we can look back on, gain confidence from. And, uh, you know, all these games in the playoffs are going to be like that. You're playing against good teams. They're going to be, you know, one or two plays here or there that are going to make a difference. So, um, 
you know, that's what our season's been largely. So I think we can, we can certainly draw a lot of confidence from that. You know, I was thinking about that too, because you guys had to win that game in Washington. You guys played the big game against Minnesota. You played the winning in game against the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, DJ, in some ways, I know it's going to be your first playoff game. For a lot of guys in that locker room, it's going to be their first playoff game. But that stretch of games that you guys have just gone through here over the last couple of weeks, in many ways, dude, it's kind of been like the playoffs. So is that something you can use to help you as you, as you move forward throughout this week? I think so, yeah. Um, you know, the officially playoffs don't start until this week. But like you said, we played played big games that had playoff implications and, and affected our future, um, you know, significantly with, you know, those games that you mentioned. And, and we played well in those games. And, um, you know, the, the Colts game most recently was a winning end game. And I thought it was, you know, one of our best games, best games of the year. So, um, you know, we, we've dealt with pressure. We've dealt with, uh, you know, had to come back and late game, make big plays down the stretch. And, and uh, like I said, that's what, what this is going to be about. So um, I feel like we're, we're certainly prepared. Well, I definitely think you guys are prepared. But, DJ, it is the playoffs. So, yes, you're playing playoff-like games, and you can kind of, like, emulate that playoff atmosphere, sure. But there is something to be said for, hey, it's the first playoff game. So, like, for you, as you're going through this week, I mean, I know it's early in the week. We're chatting right now. It's Tuesday. But does it? feel different or not particularly? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to say it doesn't feel a little different. You know, I think, you know, um, you know, you realize what's at stake now, the opportunity you have in front of you, um, the opportunity we have as a team now to, to, uh, to do something special. And, and that's, uh, that's an exciting one. I think we're all, we're all fired up. Uh, but, you know, as we go about our work and have, as we prepare, a lot of that's going to be, uh, going to be the same. It's going to be our process. It's going to be focused on uh, what we're doing day to day, and, and uh, you know that's the only way we're going to be uh, as prepared as we can be going into Sunday. So I know the game you played on Christmas Eve against the Vikings was a loss, but DJ, I thought you guys offensively that was one of your best performances of the year. You guys moved the football with consistently, uh, consistently. You guys made a whole lot of big plays. You had to drive at the end of the game that. You score the touchdown. You end up getting a two-point conversion. It was a classic game, dude. It was back and forth. It came down to the wire. It was anybody's game. What, for you specifically, did you take away from that game? Now as you're starting to process film, and I'm sure you rewatched it going into the Indianapolis Colts week. I'm sure you're going to watch a lot more of it this week because of what Minnesota threw at you. But if there was one takeaway for you that you had about you and what the offense was able to do against the Vikings, what was it? Um, yeah, I think a lot of those things. I thought we had good rhythm throughout the game. We ran the ball effectively. We're throwing the ball well, making plays in the past game. So I think just playing with that rhythm, playing with that confidence and, and um, you know, kind of one play leading to the to the next and, and feeding off some of the momentum that uh, we created. and, and uh, you know, that being said, I think there's certainly some things we, we got to do better in this game. One being uh, third down, you know, I thought we weren't as, as good as we could have been there. And those are, those are key opportunities to stay on the field and, and sustain drive. So we'll look to, to improve, you know, certain things from that game. But, but uh, yeah, we can take a lot from it, too. Okay. I was just going to ask you what needs to be different. Because when you're talking about a game that's decided, DJ, 
by a 61-yard field goal at the end of regulation, I mean, you're basically talking about a coin flip type of game. So you would say the biggest challenge in improving upon what you guys did against the Vikings the last game would be that execution on third down? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big, that's certainly a big part of it. Uh, some plays that, you know, I know I would like to have back on, on third down. And, and uh, you know, I think it's that. And then the turnovers, you know, it's certainly, uh, you know, when you talk about any game uh, in the NFL, turnovers is, is, is a big part of it. So uh, we got to protect the ball better than we did last game, um, you know, if we want to win. DJ, uh, anytime I got something going on, man, like if it's a big show or, you know, an important milestone in my life, I have a hard time sleeping. Like I got the butterflies, you know, I'm, I'm tossing and turning. Uh, maybe I'm thinking a little too much. Maybe I'm overanalyzing everything, but that's me. You're playing games in the NFL every week. So every Sunday is huge. But like, do you get that? Like those game day, like night before butterflies, like before a game where you're just like so excited. You, you can't sleep. You're thinking about what this defense may do and what your dudes may do. Like, does any of that come in, DJ? Or you just got to say, man, I need my eight hours of sleep or I'm not going to play well. How do, <laughs> how do you manage that, dude? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely get excited. You know, you definitely get excited and, and nervous going to the game. I, I normally don't have a tough time sleeping, though. I, I can usually fall asleep and stay asleep uh, pretty well the night before a game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to have those feelings waking up and, and getting ready to go. I actually have uh, more trouble sleeping after games, um, especially the one 4 o'clock and you know, 8 o'clock kicks. You know, I'm still amped up and, and still going. But uh, before the game, night before, I normally sleep pretty good. Well, DJ, hopefully after the 4 o'clock game, you have a real hard time sleeping because that means you're talking about Minnesota <laughs> going and, you know, getting a win and you're talking about a game next week and, you know, the energy, it's high-flying, it's that sort of vibe and not the vibe of a loss. I know we're hoping for that sort of vibe going into this particular game, the high energy, you know, the just that's, dude, that's that's playoffs, man. Like that winner-go-home type of environment, there's a lot of finality in that, right? Like, I know you've played big games in your career, but like the idea that, hey, if you win, you got a whole nother week. There's a whole nother week of preparation, anticipation, build up, everything that comes with the playoff game. And then a loss, all this good work that you guys have done throughout the year, it comes to like a sudden halt. So that's got to be a tough thing to manage, right? Thinking about that or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're certainly aware of it. You understand the, the implications of of the game and, and uh, you know, makes you want to put, you know, that much more into it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you got to trust your process, trust what's what's gotten gotten us here um and that's uh you know focusing on what's immediately in front of us as we prepare throughout the week and then uh playing as well as we can on sunday so tug me through and you don't have to give me specifics of course but like a saturday before a big game you guys fly in big dinner big team meeting like what is that routine like as you're getting ready for a game on sunday like the day before how what, what does that usually entail uh, yeah, we normally fly in uh, like mid-afternoon, uh, three, four o'clock, and then uh, hang at the hotel. We're on our own for dinner, so guys will normally uh, get together, go grab grab a meal somewhere close by. Uh, yeah, you try to get together with, with teammates and uh, people who are, um, you know, who are, who are trying to get something to eat, and then we have meetings. Uh, you know, 
coach speaks and and uh, we have a snack after that. Some of the best some of the best times are that uh, after meetings about eight o'clock. You're eating snack, watching college football. College football is over, but you know all the teammates together. Uh, everyone's anxious, excited for the game, but uh, you know enjoying that last last meal before you go to bed and wake up and, and play. But uh, that's generally kind of the, the routine of the, of the night. So what's the snack then? What, what what's the big <laughs> snack that you got? Is it the same every week? Do you mix it up? Like what what is the late the late Saturday snack for you and the boys? Uh, well, the snack is uh, I mean they they have wings, uh, burgers. I don't. It's, okay. it's become somewhat of an NFL tradition. I think that you know you eat wings and pizza and ice cream and you know they have healthier options. Um, Try to try to stick to those. Uh, when I was I gonna can, say but. five days a week you can stick to those. Every now and again, the pizza and the wings are all right, man. You you, you, could, you could get by. You could get by. But, uh, but yeah, those those are good times, and and uh, you know sharing those last uh, sharing that you know moment with with teammates uh, before you wake up and play is is uh, you know those are fun moments. Um, will you be into these games? I know obviously you have meetings and you have obligations and whatnot. Uh, there are two playoff games on Saturday. The Niners and the Seahawks. Then you have Jacksonville taking on the Chargers. Will you watch any of those games or night before a game? It's just now. Nah, I got too much going on. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably watch the games. Um, you know, we'll be in and out of meetings, and and uh, you know, probably won't get to watch all of them, but uh, certainly try to catch them, catch them when I can. Okay. Um, have you ever seen the movie Any Given Sunday? Uh. I haven't, to be honest with you. Whoa, uh, DJ, <laughs> DJ, listen, I know you're busy right now and you got a lot of stuff going on. For your, like, spring, summer movie list, like, dude, you're a football guy. Like, maybe we'll get Dennis, maybe it'll be like Dennis Quaid in another lifetime, man, when you're playing on one leg. But there is this badass Pacino speech that he gives in the movie. And maybe it's because I love Al Pacino. I'm into the mob movies. Like, he's, he's the man. Like, I, I love Al Pacino. He gives like one of the best, like fired up, inspirational speeches imaginable. So, all right, it's not any given Sunday for you. It, does that like come across your mind before a big game where you'll watch like something like that? Or is that just way too cliche and way too corny? And, you know, us NFL quarterbacks are not watching that shit, man, before we get ready for a big game. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say I, I watch anything like that, but, um, I've seen the speech. It's a good speech. I'm not sure. Oh, I so you know the speech, it. though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the speech, then. Okay. <laughs> I've seen the speech. But I, I'm not sure I'd watch that or, or something like it before a game, but uh, everybody's different. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure some, guys, uh, some guys do go to stuff like that. Hey, listen, whatever works, that's what it boils okay. down to. Uh, I'll leave you with this. It, what, will, what will be like the, the pump up vibe for your first playoff game? Is it music? Is it chilling, reading a book? Like, what can I expect from Daniel Jones leading in the kickoff of the biggest game that he's played in the NFL? Um, I'll probably listen to some music. Um, you know, we're playing music in the locker room. Sometimes I'll put on my own uh, music, throw my headphones on, and, and uh, listen. I'm a big, uh, big Kings of Leon, big uh, Zach Bryan. Uh, Zach Bryan was actually at the Philly game. He's an Eagles fan, unfortunately, but I got to got to, you meet, got to him. meet him now. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So I was pretty pumped up about that, but, uh, but yeah, I'll throw on, throw on some music and I'm not, not normally, a uh, real amped up 
you know, metal, thrash music, but just some some good quality music to, to get in the zone. Well, DJ, go kick some ass on Sunday. We will be watching. And listen, you guys pull off this win. I want you in the locker room breaking it down with Coach Dave, all right? Like, I, I want maybe the, maybe we get a speech out of you. I know, DJ, they're bad. The Giants are bad, man, and Fox is bad. They get those cameras in there after a big win. So, you, you know, like, I know a lot of stuff they don't want getting out there, but when it's a victory, man, us media people, we're Giant fans, we're ready to eat this shit up, dude. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know about the speech yet. No speech. Well, listen, DJ, best of luck on Sunday, man. We're all fired up. Go get them, okay? All right. Appreciate it, DJ. Good stuff there, DJ. Can't wait for Sunday. Before we say goodbye, I'm getting ready for a little bit of trivia. Larry, you and my daddy, we'll take a break, and then we'll see if I can come back with a fresh glow from my trip from Florida, and we'll take it from there. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, Larry, let's go. I'm ready for you. JJ, Larry, who's the running back to get at least 500 yards rushing the last eight years? Second question is, who's the last Tiger to to lead the major leagues in saves? I'm out. Last Tiger to lead the league in saves? I'm very confident in this one. Jose... Valverde. I felt good about that. Remember he had that ridiculous year? He had all those saves in a row, and I'm like, he's going to blow one in the postseason. He never did. He did the following year against the Yankees in the Ibanez game, the game Jeter fractured his ankle. But in 2011, he had money. He had like a four and a half year right, but he saved every game. It was one of the weirder anomalies that you're ever going to see. All right, that was a layout. Running back, though, with 500 yards, at least, in the last eight years. So let's think about this for a minute. 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15. So since the 2015 season, that rules out Ezekiel Elliott. That rules him out. So you got to think about older running backs. Older running back to have at least 500 yards in the last eight years in a position that, let's be real, nobody can stay on the field playing because it's so damn hard to do. Holy moly, it's a tough question. Very, very, very tough question. I like can't even think of any running backs that have like, been around for that long. I'm like going through them right now in my head and it's pretty futile exercise. All right. Taking a stab here. I don't feel great about this, but I'm throwing his name out there anyway. 
Cordero Patterson. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think so. Because he didn't get enough time as a running back over that period of time. I knew that, but I really didn't know where to go. I'm like going through each of the rosters in my mind. This is what I'm doing. And I'm failing miserably, clearly. I feel like all the older running backs retired. Well, anybody who would fit this quote-unquote description. I'm throwing another one out there, Stefan. I don't feel great about it. Austin Eckler? Mm. All right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm getting a hint. Because this guy has been around forever. Rex Burkett. Mm. All right, now, now I need some help in the hint department. Where the hell am I going? All right, so this guy, he started off as a starter. But as of late, he has been one of the more serviceable backup running backs in the NFL. And it's still in the league, obviously. And it's still in the league. And has played for two teams this season. I'll, I'll give you that. He's played for two teams this season. Serviceable backup running back. Is it a... Uh... Foreman? Mm. Was I close or no? Uh, Not too far off. Not too far off. Not too far off. I was going to say Devontae Freeman, but there's no way he's still in the league, right? No, not Devontae Freeman. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I-, I need another hint. I still have no idea where I'm going. Drafted by the Raiders. Drafted by the Raiders. Oh, man. Oh, is it Amir Abdullah? Mm. No, he ended up playing for the Raiders. He got drafted by the Lions. You know what, Stefan? I have no idea. Who the hell is it? It's only going to Latavius Murray. That's going to bother me. Larry, damn you. That's going to bother me. And he's a Syracuse product. Didn't go to Syracuse, but he's from that area. Cover one of his high school football games. Should have known that. Sloppy. Should have had a two-for-two trivia day. Not meant to be. We have a loaded week coming up. We have a giant live Sunday after game, which I'm super stoked for. So right after Giants and Vikings wrap up, you want to come on Spotify Live. We're going to have a nice conversation back and forth. Don't worry. We will have it up as a podcast. I'd say hopefully by halftime in a Sunday night game. We are not waiting around. We want to get that up as soon as possible. So come hang. Join our Spotify Live after the giant Minnesota Viking game. Um, Football Friday pod. Joe, Art Dice. It's tight, man. Old school, new school. It's coming down to the wire. So I need a big wild card weekend if I'm going to go and win this thing. Because we got six games to pick. So all our usuals for a Football Friday. And it's a football Friday with a little extra sizzle when you got a local team involved. Good job by Stefan. We find a way. Breaking news. Doesn't matter if I'm on a plane. We find a way to make it work. That's what we do around here. We're back Thursday. Enjoy the next couple of days. And Met fans will be all right. Don't worry.
The owner spends a lot of money. You'll be able to. JJ out. Forget everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.